Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I was actually once um, trying to get bail for a Lithuanian man. <laughs> Um, who was in custody in a prison in Dublin and when his daughter came to bring the money and I genuinely got lost in her eyes as I was explaining the process to her I was like and so then what we'll do is you put up the money and it's a um, uh, sorry um, yeah the, the judge will nominate you and I was like I'm, I'm sorry but your eyes are too beautiful Hello and welcome to Legitimate Likes, the podcast where we take a look at some of humanity's most popular fascinations and we try to work out, are they really worthy of the hype? They may be likes, but are they legitimate likes? My name is Hugh and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Will. Hi, Will. Hello, Hugh. Uh, I'm very excited today because we have a new, another human body and a brain with us. Uh, the third return of Mags. Hello. Boo, boo, boo. Welcome, Mags. <laughs> Thank you very much. Dr. Mags Carter is back on the podcast, although it's not her third return. It's her second return. It's her, it's her third, third episode. She has returned third times. This is like we're back. Homecoming. To, we're in the 16th century 1500s argument again, Will. The Third Reich of Mags. <laughs> Ooh. Too soon? Too late. Ah, <laughs> oh, no. Mags, how are you? Yeah, Grant, you know yourself. Uh, I guess everyone I talk to all the time, whenever I ask anyone how they are, they just say, so tired. So yeah, I'm so tired as well, I guess. What, why are you tired? From from work? From life? Yeah, just the whole thing, really. Late stage capitalism. <laughs> it's really grinding. <laughs> the human condition. Yeah. The first time we had you on, Mags, um, we were discussing medical dramas, and we brought yes. you on, I suppose, in your capacity as a doctor to, to give us sort of the, the medical light of it. Then we had you on for stand-up comedy, and I think we still asked you a lot of questions about medicine. Um, <laughs> and we're going to continue the trend today, I think. Mags, because... we brought you on because you're the resident expert 
uh, and probably international expert on the human body. So that's mm. what I've decided anyway. Mm. Um, uh, that we probably should up front like <laughs> trigger warning this. It's probably going to get gross and gory. Like there's oh, yeah. a good chance, right? Because oh, yeah. usually I'll be talking about wedge resections in the intro. So <laughs> I think it's going to get gross. So if you don't like that, uh, just take your headphones out and keep the podcast playing because it does our numbers really well. I mean, Max, you, you're like, you've had more in... <laughs> I was about to say, you've had more interaction with more human bodies than most people, but that kind of sounds gross. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm happy for that to be my reputation, but um, yes, I guess. I have thought about that in the past, actually, like the histogram of how many body parts the average person has seen. Like, Mm. I must be right up there amongst my non-medical acquaintances in the different places I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of all the body parts I've seen, and most of them are external, I would say. So <laughs> I think that, that already takes me down. And yeah. it should stay that way, Will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it probably should. For the average person. Yeah. For the for the first-time listener and the third returning listener, what, what's your background in the, in the human body? <laughs> so, it all started when I was born with one. Um, I was... Uh, I'm a medical doctor and I graduated in 2010 and spent the first seven years of my career doing general surgery and then quit general surgery and moved to histopathology where I mostly uh, diagnose things and look at glass slides uh, but I also do autopsies so I know I'm very familiar Yeah, get to the good stuff, Max. Inside (laughs) and out. We don't want to hear about biopsies and slides. We want to hear you're no longer cutting people up, you're looking at bodies that other people cut up. Very low and then cutting surgery. them up as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what I do now. But uh, a histopathologist obviously very eager to point out that the autopsy practice is less than ten percent of most of our practices for live patients. But obviously, all anyone wants to hear about is the autopsy. So. Yeah, we well, shouldn't be doing live autopsies, really. <laughs> um, I sense. definitely not. Yeah, that's actually it's just getting ahead of the game. Well, it's just being efficient. <laughs> We're all going to die eventually. Yeah. 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 You know that, uh, did you know that the guy who did Einstein's autopsy stole a bit of his brain? Yes. That's that's weird. He just took it away. Why? Why Was he going to, like, eat it like you do the placenta? No, he actually did. I think he he took it for the purposes of, of like, well-intentioned scientific research. Yes. He just didn't ask anybody about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Consent's quite important when you're stealing someone's brain, I think. Yeah. But I heard a journalist who, who interviewed him and who... Um, sort of said, who found him, tracked him down. I was like, is it true you took some of Einstein's brain? And he's like, yeah, look, here it is. And just showed him some <laughs> wobbly bits in a jar. Wow. Speaking of wobbly bits in a jar, please welcome our producer, Anya. <laughs> I saw that in Hugh's eyes. I know, I was like, I gotta set him up with something. <laughs> the two of you were like bloodhounds there. Yeah, hunting a fresh kill. Uh, hi guys, hi Max. Hi Anya. This is such a convenient way to, to catch up with pals. Mm. You know, in a in a very a very structured hour and a half. Certainly, uh, I feel format. I never need to meet you or will ever again, Anya. You know, <laughs> or oh, I yeah. just never need to meet Anya. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it uh, it it's really mind blowing that Michael and I haven't met Will. I think that's nuts. Oh I yeah, know. yeah. I think it. I it also, but I mean, we sort of have because this is like the future, isn't it? We have met each other because. We just don't know what everyone looks like from the nipples down. Oh, that sounds like we're naked. I, we're not naked. <laughs> it keeps me up at night, though, not knowing how tall you are, because I think that's very jarring to not to not have a like a you know what you know what's 
You know, what's the situation? <laughs> Mags, I know you've said this before. You have height blindness, I think. Don't yeah, you? I can't tell what height any person is who I've ever met. Like, unless they're like six five, like they could literally be anything. But I, you can't. Like... You can't tell if they're taller or shorter than uh, no. you, though. Yeah. I, if you, I you, can't you remember. Missing, if you went missing and Mags had to give a description, like it would be anyone's guess whether she'd be like, he was a petite five four. Yeah, or, or six foot two. Like I honestly like, couldn't tell you at all based on previous interactions okay, what height Okay, Michael's are. gone missing. Can you describe him for us? You're the last person to see him alive, Mags. <laughs> She's brown haired man between five six and six foot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've you've gone way too tall. You've gone way too tall. He's five two. Average weight. <laughs> yeah. Any particular, you know, descriptors? That can no, I don't have this ability either. Like, I always wonder how people do those identical things. Photo fits, yeah. In, um, photo fits, yeah. In, but uh, I don't understand drives. Mag's either side of it. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. how the person describes it or how the person draws it. Because, yeah. like, if someone said to me, so, like, their face, like, kind of an oval face and, like, they got a bit of stubble and that, like, I just, it'd be like a child's drawing. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, it'd just be an egg with stubble on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there'd, be, there'd be a sun up in the sky then the top of the sky would be blue then there'd be white and then there'd be green for the grass. Yeah, yeah. The sun, sun would have shades and a big split in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but everybody is sort of average height brown hair. But then when people you know, in criminal dramas are like, their eyes were a little bit further apart or their nose was a little yeah. bit bigger or smaller, like there isn't a chance that I could enunciate what makes the person look the way they do. Like I just can't describe them. Yeah. Isn't, but memory is so fallible that like, isn't that a lot of the time a load of bollocks? Right? Yeah, must be. Because it's just so, like you have a load of preconceptions. Like there was a study done in like the 50s where they showed a picture uh, it was it was to do with psychology and racism. They showed a picture to a group of white men of um, a white guy holding a knife to a black man and mugging him. And half of the group, maybe more, ha- having been shown this image for a second or two, said it was literally the opposite way around because mm. of the, the way they Jesus. were bigoted. That's terrifying. So memory's crazy. Anyway, Anya, what are we talking about today? Um, so we're here today to talk about the, the human body. Uh, which Hugh, I think you've actually displayed an unhealthy amount of interest in doing as a yeah. as a topic, and I'm a little bummed out that I'm doing this, not Michael, because you know it wouldn't be wouldn't be for me. Do you think you're going to get? Do you think you're going to get a bit squibbly? No, 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 no. I, no I, I'm I'm actually pretty impervious to. Yeah, um, I thought you're you're good with. I'm with, sorry. The word yeah. squibbly and impervious have never been closer. No. That's just, no. <laughs> well one of them has never been a word until yes, now, yes. So. Oh, that's true yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine with if somebody gets sick or something like mm. I'm great to clean up vomit yeah. if that ever comes up you Fantastic. actually I will say Anya is one of the greatest cleaners up of vomit I've ever seen <laughs> how do you go about it Anya um, you, just, you, you just have to be very business like like you're yeah. a nurse in the 1960s sort of Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you want to scoop up the bits first, so I go in with like a tea towel or something. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you guys think it's going to get squibbly? It's about to get real squibbly. Yeah. Um, Why a reusable item? Yeah. And then, and then you you've have got to, to cordon the whole thing off, though. As you've well, you've got to cordon the whole thing off, and then you've got to get a really, really damp uh, towel, and you want to lift the stuff out of the whatever it's on because you don't want to go into the fibers because a lot of people try to just scrub it in, and then you're just. You sound like you're trying to cover up a crime. Yeah. And in a way, uh, you are, I, I suppose. This, I, I may have said this on the podcast before, but when I was a kid, I w- when I was like 
I don't know, seven. I was at school and maybe he was younger, but I remember being in the school playground and seeing a pile of sand in the playground. And I was like, that's so cool. They left a pile of sand for us to play with. So I was playing with the sand and having a lovely time with a dill. And we were having a great time just playing with sand. And then I got told off and I had to go and wash my hands. And it wasn't explained. I think the teacher thought I knew what I was doing. Because it was obviously covering a load of vomit that some kid had spewed up, and there was no. That's a great there. idea, though. Yeah, well, the yeah, the but sh- tell the kids that there's vomit underneath yeah. it. Give them a lifelong fear of beaches. Yeah, I thought there was a this new is like, um, Do you know when you were younger, and if you put your hand under a school table, there was always a chewing gum on yes. it. I remember not knowing it was chewing gum and being like, "Oh my god, the underside of the table is just so squishy. It's like a stress yeah. ball." Makes your hand and just like smell minty. getting my and like. I like that. When you were seven, you didn't know what chewing gum was, but you were extremely acquainted with stress balls. <laughs> <laughs> You're already a middle-aged businessman. Did you have one of those clicky ball things on your I desk? I did, uh, well? and a small executive putter. <laughs> and a little my... bird dipping into yeah. a glass of water. But to be fair, there was a real like preponderance of gadget shops in the mid-90s. So, mm. I mean, we all did have a lot of small executive toys. That's true, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Miniature pool tables on our desks <laughs> yeah, exactly. and things like that. Speaking of gadget shops, do you remember the UC one in Dundrum and friend of the pod, Jeremy, and I were in there. <laughs> and he saw a friend of his from school called Derek. And they didn't really know each other very well. I hadn't seen each other in a long time. And as we were leaving, Jeremy, for some reason, said, See you later, D! And <laughs> waved at him. I just got so badly burnt. <laughs> and it was an abbreviation of the name that he'd never done before. And it was just... Humanity. It was just incredible to watch. It's great. It reminds me of a time when I was... Uh, I <laughs> So I'd gone to buy a can of petrol, okay, um, for a lawnmower. <laughs> And cover up a crime that's my story and I walked back across the road and these I was probably about 25 at the time and these two children who I'd say were about 10 uh, were walking down the road uh, in the opposite direction walking towards me and one of them just said as he went by to me hi Frankenstein <laughs> and now, I wasn't I like you know, you're not expecting that. Okay, I've never claimed to be a handsome person, but, you know, you're not expecting that. The question is, what response should you give to that, right? I want Dice to know what your response would be, and then I want hi, to... Hi, Igor. And I'll tell you... Oh, hi, Igor. That's quite good, actually. You little creep. Yeah. Mm. I would have been like, uh, I think what you're thinking of is Frankenstein's creature. Uh, if you're calling me Frankenstein, that's a bit of a compliment, because he's a very well-respected doctor in Geneva. Okay, interesting. My mm. response when he said, hi, Frankenstein, was just, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is what I would a- actually have done. Mags, have you ever come across, uh, and I appreciate the answer should be no here, but I used to be a barrister, and there were one or two barristers who were scared of speaking in public, which I always thought was quite a handicap. Have you ever come across a doctor who's, uh, like, fainted at the sight of blood? Um, I have known many doctors who fainted, but it was more kind of a situational thing. I did almost mm. hit the deck one time myself during a particularly uh, purulent appendix uh, operation. But uh, yeah, it's it's more kind of situational. You know, you're very warm, it's very stressful, and then you're looking at kind of gruesome body parts at the same time. I don't know any doctors who were just like at a baseline afraid of blood or anything, because I think that would be a serious handicap. But are any of them squeamish about vomit? 
Uh, oh yeah, like the most I can contribute to cleaning up vomit is not vomiting myself. Like that's the absolute <laughs> maximum that I can do about a pile so of So is it fair to say you wouldn't be a very good nurse maybe? Yeah, that's very fair to say. And is, is certainly have retched a few times when somebody was vomiting in front of me. Are operating or... theatres, what is the temperature, the ambient temperature like in there? It's generally kind it? of, so the patient is covered up and often has a little um, kind of like a hot air filled duvet on them called a bear hugger. So oh, they oh, are kept lovely. warm. <laughs> yeah, and people, you know, sometimes put their hands under the bear hugger uh, like a spare one in theatre to get warm if they're cold. But they are usually kind of in the kind of 20, kind of 2 range, I That's would say. Warm. But like everyone is wearing a lot of stuff as well. Like the surgeons are wearing a lot of stuff, whereas the anaesthetists are just wearing scrubs. So it has to be kind of like warm enough to just wear scrubs in. But if you ever go to a burns theatre, because burns patients have lost some of their skin and a lot of your skin's job is insulation and preventing fluid loss they're really susceptible to losing fluid so a burn theater is kept around 35 degrees and that's a real oh my god that's a, that's a real experience to wear the full shebang in um and operate in it's a real that's like being in a sauna yeah kind of a hot yeah one of those hot air sauna type places yeah it's pretty intense so i suppose yeah i mean in terms of the human body i suppose in some ways, it's the vehicle that we use to move through life. And in some ways, it's the most finely engineered piece of engineering. Said engineering twice. <laughs> uh, but I suppose something that's so impressive also manages to be so embarrassing and so self-destructive as well. Mm. So, you know, a lot of problems. So, I mean, I know we have a lot of stuff to get through. I know Hugh has a, sort of a s- scary amount of questions he'd like to ask Mags. <laughs> Um, so I hope I they're not put... all about ambient temperature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about the wards then? I want yeah. the stairwells to the wards. <laughs> stairwells are cold. Stairwells in the hospital are cold. <laughs> they, are know? cold. I've, they are cold. I've, I've explored some hospitals in my time. <laughs> so will we crack into the into the quiz? Absolutely. So uh, my, my first question is, what does the 21 grams experiment refer to? Hmm. I no. know. Also, if you saw an indie movie in the early noughties, you'd also know this. Oh, is it about... Um... Is it something to do with the weight of your soul? That's my question. Like after oh, a Max is nodding. After yeah, a body dies. Is that right? Mm. Yeah, very good. Max, what was the what's what indie movie is it in? A movie called Twenty One Grams. Because what I knew it from and I looked it up, it's actually not the same thing at all. Do you remember in Breaking Bad in the third episode? They're counting up the constituent chemical parts of the body and they say that there is there's a part they can't account for and that's the soul but actually it's it was uh, that was what i was looking for but actually i came across this which is a totally different experiment and this was an experiment in 1907 where this guy duncan mcdougall which is a great name tried to measure the mass change of six patients at the moment of death yes. and one of the patients lost three quarters of an ounce um and he thought this was the soul seems legit uh, but Mike's right. This has been. This is not a. This has been widely derided, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think anyone is going to stand over that. Um, I mean, there was a real. There was a real movement around that time. Kind of like the history of medicine is full of a lot of kind of. It's easy for us to say mad shit. I'm sure people will be saying that in 200 years time. But um, it's full of kind of a lot of kind of uh, rogue people out on their own doing mad shit. And mm. certainly the soul weighing. I don't think you'd get it past an ethics board, a research ethics board today <laughs> in terms of a proposal. Yeah. When was that on you, sorry? Mm-hmm. Uh, 1907. Mm. Basically, though, he had six patients in, in a nursing home. So, I mean, they must have thought he was the angel of death, just mm. <laughs> lurking. Um, and Putting them on a massive scale. <laughs> yeah. 
sorry, after this as well, your man also then tried the experiment on 15 dogs and he's presumed to have poisoned healthy dogs for the experiment. So pretty weird guy. That sounds so. right. I yeah. hope he weighed the poison before he put it in the dog. Yeah. Confounding variable. Mm. <laughs> um, so our second question. Um, if you didn't have a pinky finger, how much power, what percentage would, you, would the power of your hand be reduced by? 100% because you won't be able to drink tea properly. <laughs> English people would be gigantically disabled. <laughs> um, it's actually, it, like, it's a surprisingly large amount in terms of, it depends what you mean by power, I suppose, but if you mean grip strength, I know that the pinky and the ring do most of the gripping. Is that a spin-off of pinky and the brain? Yes. <laughs> uh, the pinky is an idiot and the ring finger is insane. That's how it works in that, the dynamic. <laughs> you see, I feel as well, when I'm trying to pick things up without it, it's also getting in the way. So I feel if I didn't have it at all, it'd be better than having one that didn't work. But how hard could you squeeze something? Oh, I squeeze. I squeeze pretty hard. <laughs> Matron! <laughs> <laughs> Mags has just picked up a lemon. You had a lemon just out of shot. Just now, you see, Mags, to really demonstrate your point there, you should have squeezed with four fingers and it just looks normal and then have pulverized it with your entire hand. <laughs> I didn't think about the uh, visual effect before I'd I picked up the lemon. Picking up a little thing, like a small coffee, uh, that's fine. But like, if you were to be like trying to pull yourself up, I imagine the pinky is doing a lot of. Mm. So I'm going to say, even though, so it's 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 one of five digits on your hand. I'm going to say it reduces it by fifty percent. Max, I'm going to say a third. Will, I'm going to say twenty six percent. Hugh has it. Bang on the money, fifty percent. And I I don't know, but is it something to do with like the way your little toe does a lot of balancing, even though you kind of think it's not really doing anything? No, it's just the strength of the muscle that uh, oh. flexes the the ring, and that you know the way you can't flex one without the other. You know they have a common flexor, um. So uh, they yeah just have a bigger muscle. I hope everyone listening is doing the same hand movements that I am. Well, it, that's the same as our anatomy exam in first year in medical school. Uh, we had upper limb anatomy and lower limb anatomy MCQs on the same day and we were in one of those huge exam halls and it was just rows and rows of people doing this kind of like <laughs> kind of moving their shoulders backwards and forwards and kind of feeling the muscles in their forearms and stuff. Um, <laughs> you know? I do remember um, when we were studying law on you and you get to that point where you're looking at like personal injuries cases and there is a book called the the uh is the pi app the person or the, the pi book app. of quantum yeah the book of quantum that's it that the which sounds so injuries. cool harry potter and the book of quantum it does sound yeah. really cool squibbly impervious but basically <laughs> it gives you euro amounts for different injuries <laughs> body and body parts, parts. Yeah. and it's sort of that thing when we got it the first day and we're all looking through it and being like get 30 grand for losing a finger yeah sure listen come on it's got to be worth it or like but then you get to the point and it's like you know full paralysis in four limbs and it's like half a million and it's like mm, that doesn't really add up mm -hmm. i feel you know like that's not the same as 16 fingers yeah i remember being really disgusted as a child we had to get like some kind of school liability insurance form signed and we got like a little leaflet with it and had to bring that home and i obviously read everything i was ever asked to bring to or from school and it was like a list of the, the awards that you would get for your child's injuries at school and like an eye was like fifty thousand pounds you know like a bro like an arm was like twenty five thousand pounds but accidental death was something like twenty thousand and i was like why is the death so much less than everything else and my mum was like well i guess you're not alive really to 
have to deal with the consequences. And I was like, it's very deep. <laughs> That's dark <laughs> for a five-year-old. Guys, do you want to know under the on the book of quantum what you get for the total loss of a little finger? Yeah. Yes. So up to forty-six thousand four hundred. Whoa. Like, that's I I don't want to use the phrase worth it. But have you um ever heard of a place called Vernon in uh Florida? No, no. Its nickname was Nub City. Oh like, because <laughs> Jesus. Because in the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties there were so many cases of people self mutilating for the money. Like wow. there's loads of people around the town with like an arm missing, a hand missing. And it, it was a really successful way of, like, committing fraud because no juries would believe that you'd do it on purpose. Wow. So I have, a, I have, a, I have, I have another question for you. Uh, I can give you a choice. Would you like something more cerebral or something more toilet-based? Both. Can't be both. Okay, well, okay. Uh, so how, over a lifetime, what does the average person spend sitting on the toilet? Uh, like, £100. <laughs> As if you brought your phone with you. Um, yeah. How much time do you spend on the toilet? Because that definitely has changed since phones. <laughs> I would say 3,500 hours. 3,500 hours. That means, that means you become an expert because it's 10,000 <laughs> hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're not even close. You're only a third of an expert at crapping when you die, obviously. Shit. I, <laughs> so I was trying to figure out time and like... like it, it, Per day and then per year and all this, and I just googled how many days in a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the question I meant to ask. Um, I think, uh, I think, what did you say, Max? I said 3,500 hours. That's 145 days ish. Oh, I think I was gonna say 48,000 hours, but I think I might have gone too big there. Do I mean 4,800? <laughs> I'll say 48,000. Who cares? Yeah, Will, okay. I'm, I'm team mags. Uh, you're you're both wrong. It's actually a year. So uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't. I'm very efficient. Apparently, all mammals take the same amount of time to defecate, and it's something like seven seconds for the actual pooping. Hmm. And it's re- <laughs> there's a sentence outside of context. <laughs> and it's re- remarkably consistent across all mammals. So from hippo to hamster. Yeah. Our new podcast. <laughs> Sponsored by Casper. Uh, now, can I, for our last question, can anyone tell me what proprioception is? I don't know if I pronounced that right. Yeah. I'm sure Mags can. I thought it was, pro- I, I've heard it as proprioception. I'm sure that's yeah. what it is. Proprioception. proprioception. Yeah. Well, just, just one of you want to tell me what, what it is then? Will. Oh, no, we should go to the expert. No, I want to hear Will's hot take. Uh, I, I, oh, God. Um, I think it's the uh, your um, your awareness and understanding of your body and its its relative parts, like um, your like self awareness, but a physical self awareness, like perception. But yeah, like where you are in space. Yeah, so it's 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 also as kinesthesia and sometimes known as the sixth sense, uh, and it's basically your ability to sense movement, action, and location. <laughs> it's so... your sixth sense. It's when you realize that you were dead the whole time. And the way you test it in patients is by wiggling their big toe. So you like um, wiggle their toe with their eyes open and you're like, so this is up and you push their toe up towards them. And then this is down. You push their toe down towards the bed and then you ask them to close your eyes and you wiggle the toe a few times and then stop and ask them whether it's up or down. Mm, I don't. And are people generally good at that or bad at that? I don't think I'd know. 
Yeah, no, people are generally fine at it, except if they've got peripheral neuropathy and then they're not very good at it. Here's a question for you, Mags. How come you sometimes know when someone's looking at you from behind you? <laughs> I actually <laughs> don't know the answer to that. I, I always think that it must be related to our subtle hearing of breathing. That's how I think mm. it works. I think ah. it's like very subtle cues that we're able to pick up that we're not really sure of. It's like we can tell the direction that eyes are looking from really far away. Like we're extremely sensitive to where the whites of eyes are. So like we have some adaptations that are obviously... This sounds, have you read yeah. Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink? Yeah. That's kind of his hypothesis, isn't it? That, uh, you know, people say, oh, I had a sixth sense that the, bu- the firefighters say, I knew the building was going to collapse, but it's not psychic. It's that on some level, say your feet could feel... Yeah, like the you, that you're, you have more senses than you're actually kind of tuned into. Like our sense of smell is probably picking up more stuff. You know, like the whole controversy about whether there's pheromones or not, and nobody really knows if humans have pheromones. But um, yeah, I think that you're you're picking up more information that we can maybe kind of consciously understand. Yeah, it is true about seeing where someone's like you could be across a crowded theater, and then someone someone catches you accidentally looking at them, and you're like, yes. "Well, no, I mean, this evening is over now." You know, <laughs> I can't go to the bathroom in case I meet them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you do uh, in that situation here? You lock eyes with somebody. Do you do you give them a nod or do you look away rapidly? Oh, look away rapidly. Look away rapidly. Oh, that's yeah. so much worse. I think I think it's always. You see, it's fine if if you're the second person. If you're the second person, if you're the person yeah, who locks eyes, the if they're already the looking look. at you, you're yeah. fine. Yeah. I suppose it also depends who it is, but. But no, I always, think it's always it's lick the, your lips. Always it's, one lick those, <laughs> it's one of those things where you do the most awkward thing and then come up with all of the very reasonable things you could have done. You could have you know? done, yeah. yeah. You're like probably a little waved, like. Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah. yeah. If I could raise one eyebrow, I'd just raise one eyebrow, but I can't. So. It's that awful feeling, you know, when you see somebody that you kind of know, but you only realize it as you're kind of walking past them. Yes. And then you're sort of like, yeah. Do you have that thing where you say you say hello, you say something, but in the quietest, most muffled voice ever? Yes. So like, yeah. I would sort of say like, let's say I was going past you on you, and I wasn't sure it was you, and then I eventually, you know, and then I just say, you know, which is high on you, but it obviously sounds like nothing that a human would ever say. Yeah. But do you ever do that sort of yeah, like if you if you if you're bustling past somebody in work or something, you kind of just do this weird mouthing. I was just about to say the theatrical yeah. stage whisper. I just did it so many times this week. Just like, hey, how are you? Like, just, why am I sorry, it's sorry, so now. Funny, why, isn't it? why am I doing this? <laughs> I think that's a really fun part of the human body, where your brain, your brain sort of gives you the signal. It's like, go on then, and then your body messes it up. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, to, to get into the human body, I mean, do you guys Ooh, have any, any matron? Uh, <laughs> go through the skin. Do you have any sort of? What's the what's your opening take on on the human body? On opening the human body. On opening the human body. <laughs> That's how you get into the human body. Are, I mean, are you mostly <laughs> impressed by it by your own? Are you baffled by it? I'm impressed by all the stuff that it can do, yeah. um, and you know, further questions about whether we're living in a simulation, uh, or uh, I'm also then shocked by some of the huge weaknesses. Like for a long time, I really felt like the neck was just like an outrageous weakness. And like you, know, you put all the most important stuff in the narrowest part of the body, like just. Would you prefer like, if you had no neck and your your like shaped like an egg? Just, You'd be so safe. 
Would you not prefer if your head just went directly down onto your shoulders? No, like if it was shaped like an egg, you'd have like a lot of extra protection. Like you'd be okay. kind of like, you know, and like all the good stuff would be like, you know, a foot away from the outside. But then somebody pointed out to me that you'd probably be very non-agile and looking around you. So humans... <laughs> you'd have to turn entirely around. Yeah. <laughs> the egg-shaped humans of the past probably were eaten by saber-toothed tigers and stuff. You're like so. a, a fish with, with eyes on, with both eyes on one side of the head. <laughs> but I suppose it's a, it's a bit like the testicles. Like there are these sort of afterthoughts of human design. Well, the testicles like, need to be cooler, you see, so they have to hang outside. Mags, I don't buy that at all. They should be like aircraft landing gear, okay? <laughs> They're like... They're like smokers. They they need to be cool, so they stay outside. Yeah, you should be you should be able to consciously drop them as needed when you're trying to conceive yeah. a child, and the rest of the time. Will, are you are you fascinated or horrified by your your body? Yeah, fascinated. I think I have quite a childlike uh, view of the body because I'm like I don't like. Have you ever heard that argument that people f- do for intelligent design, where they're like the the banana is perfectly made to fit into the hand and peel off its proof of God. And it's like, are you joking? When you look at the sun, you sneeze. Like, that's fucking mad. Like, the human body is way more of like, how, how, how I, I still don't understand that a load of cells swimming about could make all these organs and stuff that no. perfectly work. And, that, and even that, like, and the evolution is incredible, but even the fact that like, well, obviously I need hair on the top of my arm, but to put hair <laughs> on the inner arm would be ridiculous. ridiculous. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It's also like me, I have a beard. I like, and I, when I shave my face in the winter, it's so much colder on my face. Mm. And I don't understand how everyone hasn't evolved to have a beard. Yeah. Well, we do all have like a vellus hair on our on our on our faces, right? I've never heard the word vellus before. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, we all have tiny hairs all over. But, My name um... is Vellus Hair. Thank you for coming in. I'm slightly on the surface. Yeah, Vellus Hair sounds like he is a preacher at an evangelical That's super right. church. Have you guys heard about bananas? <laughs> but I suppose, and hair is like the hair is on your body to keep you warm. Is that right? Or, yeah, pretty oh, much. I, but and so is the head. That's to keep the brain warm. Obviously, because the brain is the most important part. Is that right? Yeah, well, I don't think I don't have never really seen any convincing like explanation of why we have loads of hair some areas and less mm. hair other areas. So like obviously almost everything else in the primate family has just like a carpet of hair mm. uniformly everywhere, and humans evolved to just have it some places. I think um, it's because it's hard to get vomit out of a carpet, so they got rid of as much as they could. <laughs> yes, like, early humans were puking so much, it just makes sense to, <laughs> to just make them worse. Or maybe people were, there were a lot of competitive swimmers in the past, you know, kind of fording rivers and lakes, and those people who got to the other side um, survived, you know, and that's how the blind watchmaker worked there. Um, yeah, I don't understand. I always think it's really funny to think of what the cats think of us uh, with our very selective areas of fur. Like, yeah. they, I think I always imagine that they pity us. Yeah, and I am yeah, jealous yeah, of them, so it makes sense. Imagine only having warm underarms. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not a question I thought I'd ever ask, but <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to admit this. <laughs> well, I started uh, the the other week. So we have a we have a dog. Her name is Nala. She's lovely. My my family have a dog, and I was back at home the other week, and Nala and I were the only ones in the house. So she came up to the bathroom with me, and I was I was. Uh, doing my seven seconds in heaven, <laughs> so to speak. And, um, but I was about to have a shower, so I was completely naked, doing a little poop, and Nala was just <laughs> hanging out with me, and I was like, this is so weird. And then I had a shower, and I was like, what does the dog think is happening? <laughs> yeah. 
I've just <laughs> brought it into like a, a small echoey room. I've defecated and then got under some water for a bit. But that is like, I mean, I, I mean, I also have cats, and I mean, a lot of their life is just using the litter box and then cleaning themselves. Yeah. So I'd say, I'd say they're very much like this. Absolutely, adds up well. Yeah, they're yeah, wondering why you don't do it more. You know? And yeah. then Nala, Nala came over to me with a plastic bag and tried to get into the toilet and pick the poo out. It's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like, did she put the bag on her paw, like, inside out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she said, this doesn't work at all. Yeah. The opposable thumb, I mean, what a, what a feature, you know? Yeah, I like to flaunt my opposable thumbs at the cats. I'm like, look at me opening the ham packet. Yeah. Is that the equivalent of, like, flipping the bird? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always think it's very funny that they couldn't give you the finger cats because they definitely would love to be able They'd to. They'd love to be able to, and it would be a very demoralising ability for them to have, I think. I don't think they need to. Yeah, isn't their life giving you the finger? <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, partially true. But, so, of all the things on the human body, like, I remember, you know, sweating is to cool you down when you're warm, isn't it? That it's, it's yeah. putting moisture up, and is shivering about keeping you warm is shivering about moving you to keep you yeah warm shivering is like contracting the muscles to you know yeah. like increase blood and flow like stuff. yawning is about getting energy to the brain right or oxygen to the brain is yeah i think yawning is triggered when a certain level of carbon dioxide is in your blood like your heart right. carbon dioxide goes up your oxygen goes down or something and then they think that that triggers the yawning, re- yawning mm. reflex that big like intake of breath i'd like to have a sort of uh, a public service announcement for anybody who's listening to this or who's on the podcast who when you're talking to someone and they yawn and you say, oh, sorry, are we keeping you awake? Or, oh, sorry, are we boring you? Go and absolutely die in a hole. <laughs> I hate those people who do that. Same here. It's so annoying. Uh, and, and I always ruin the mood when people say it because I'm like, I, it's an involuntary bodily response. And do you know what I'm trying to do? Stay awake. I want to hear more. <laughs> of this boring story. Yeah. yeah. Tell better stories, mate. Have more security. In the same vein, uh, how do you feel about getting fits of the giggles in an inappropriate situation? I mean, I love them. I like. I find that as an adult, it doesn't really happen that much mm. because you're obviously kind of a free agent most of the time. All my memories of impossible giggles were like school masses, were like mm. the time in my life when I think I've laughed the hardest. Um, in a completely smothered way was when we realised that we were sitting beside a Stations of the Cross stained glass window in Rathfarnham Church that said Jesus is laid in the arms of his mother <laughs> and like that like that that empirically very low comedy value to a bunch of 16 year olds who had to be quiet I mean like a teacher had to come and sit in the middle of my friend group to separate us because we were actually crying and bent over laughing so hard that's so funny oh man that's the hardest day I've ever laughed I don't think I ever get anything like that now except for like going to things like funerals where you really can't laugh the hardest I've ever laughed we had this thing called a meditation room in school <laughs> which was really a very religious room for like little religious prayer services and, of course uh, a little secret religion so you'd be yeah, it nice. was all dark and like it was actually really nice And but uh, somebody we, we kept getting in trouble for laughing and my <laughs> my stomach randomly then in the silence just went <laughs> But then my friend, my, one of my friends, friend of the pod, her stomach just went, at the end, blah, 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 <laughs> like it was answering. And uh, I, I, you know when you think you're going to burst a blood vessel yeah. in your eyes? Like your face hurts. Yeah. And, oh, God, we got in so much trouble. I was like, none of this is on purpose. I didn't ask no. my stomach to go, 
<laughs> but it is. It's the it's the gurgles and things that it comes out with, and also that you always feel, or not always, but sometimes, depending on the noise, you feel the need to say like. That's my stomach rumbling. Oh, you know? So what do like, you do if you're in, say, like a kind of an enclosed space with somebody, right? And you know sometimes your stomach is just like going for it. There's a lot of growling. It's going <laughs> like a whale, right? Do you do you adjust yourself in the chair? Do you acknowledge it? Like what's your what's your play? You say to the person, sorry, one second, and then you look down at your tummy and go, <laughs> pretend you're having a conversation. <laughs> That's definitely the right response, yeah. <laughs> I think I just probably do what I do with most aspects of life, which is get embarrassed. <laughs> Turn really red. <laughs> okay, that was one of my questions, Max, right? So, yawning, shivering, sweating, all these things. Why, when you're embarrassed, is your brain like, well, your face needs more blood? <laughs> What's going on there? I actually have no idea where the why the blushing reflex causes vasodilation, but like... I know that like there's a lot of psychology stuff about shame being very important to human society. Like the reason we're all like uh, burdened with so much shame and guilt and stuff is because like everything about human evolutionary history is about existing in tribes. So like I'd imagine that it's some kind of reflex that like you know being able to show that you were embarrassed was better than not being able to show. But it certainly is a horrendous thing that we're all blessed with. I really wish you could just turn it off. I hate as well when you think. When something is really embarrassing and you think this is really embarrassing but you weren't actually that embarrassed to begin with you were like i hope i don't blush incidentally and then you just turn tomato so now it looks yeah. like you're embarrassed you by the feel thing it it's, coming. Just... it's just it's life doubling oh. down on you it's like you're you're already embarrassed and now we're going to make you look so stupid and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy like once you introduce the fear into your mind of oh, blushing you're guaranteed are you two big blushers oh. Oh my god, yeah. I'm not really anymore. I think I used to be. I'm not really anymore. But I just, when it happened, it's just, it's traumatic, you know? So another uh, shameful thing, right? Say you're in a room and there's suddenly a really bad smell. (laughs) Do you acknowledge it or uh, just like manfully ignore it? Oh, never acknowledge. Never acknowledge. But is your fear then not that they're like, oh my god, this was obviously Hugh O'Connor? I don't even, it's, it's still not worth it. You know, you know you're innocent, you know? Innocent. My innocence it's shall be my shield. Just, you know, yeah. Just, just let it, just let it walk. What if by. it? What if it's getting progressively worse though? Like, that's never happened to me. Like I've never <laughs> been in a space oh, where I, I was like, I need to I get have. out of here. Really? Have you ever been around people drinking Guinness? Oh. <laughs> I honestly, I don't think you should be allowed legally drink it in public. I think bring yourself home, seal yourself in your bathroom, and uh, like it's just give yourself it's a shake. Disgusting. That is the most controversial thing that's been said on the podcast so far. I was well. I was also going to say other. I'm, I've got a list of other like uh, annoying things. When you have something that's itchy, you're not meant to scratch it, but it's itchy. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, like... there's a long-running controversy about what itching is. So, like, we know that like if you release histamine, if you scratch your skin, you can release histamine, but histamine makes you itch as well. And people used to think that itching was a subset of pain. And that it was a type of pain um, sensation. But now we know that itching has its own fibres and its own little bare fibres uh, that mediate itching. Um, yeah, it's hard to understand. As a very itchy person myself, it's very hard to understand the benefit that I'm getting from this itchiness. I mean, mm. obviously, it's useful to know if insects are biting you or whatever, but 
then, and then you you scratch it and you get that immediate incredible gratification and then it becomes 10 times and worse than the, would, you, would you rather be yeah. in unimaginable pain right for 10 seconds or be incredibly itchy for like a week oh god oh the 10 seconds one yeah 10 seconds yeah yeah itching is terrible well i just I, to be honest that was just a question of time like yeah. 10 seconds or a week is which all is I really worse heard a week there. or 10 seconds of almost anything <laughs> yeah there was a great new yorker article years ago about um the person who itched a hole in their head because, like intractable itch can be heinously difficult to deal with because Ooh, boy I itch you like a hole in the head <laughs> you can't medicate it you know like you can't give someone paracetamol to take away their itch like you can give them antihistamines but like beyond a certain point you can't stop them itching so there's a rare phenomenon of people the unstoppable itches who just God. claw and claw and claw and just can never get enough so somebody has scratched down to their skull like oh my god coming this summer the unstoppable itch. <laughs> the unstoppable itch. Your funny bone, Max. Your funny bone. What's it? Not that wh- funny. Why? Why is it? Why? What's it do? Like, why does it hurt differently to any other? What's the sensation there? Why is it different? It's because the ulnar nerve is crossing, right there. Like it's crossing around the olecranon at the top of the um, uh, at the top of the radius. So it just it it's just because the nerve is very close to the center. You're just deliberately bashing a nerve. Why is it though? Why is it close to the center, Max? Surely again, <laughs> evolution, again, right? Surely this would have flaw. hamstrung people in 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 fights. You yeah. know that suddenly they went ooh 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 no. You know, <laughs> which is how I react. Or like, what's one of our main arteries in our upper limb doing? Like you know, less than you know, much less than a centimeter below the surface at the <laughs> yeah. wrist. What are we doing? What's our jugular vein doing on visibly on the surface of our neck? Like so many questions about where these vital, vital structures are running. Hugh, I love that you're acting like Mags is on some customer service line for the human body yeah. and you're ringing to complain. Yeah. That's very much how I view this, actually. That's I'm just like, yeah. I, I'm very sorry, sir. I can't I can't speak to how this has happened, but I understand that you're very upset. So uh, another primary school fear that I had was I think I read this in like there was these kind of horror magazines you could buy. Do you remember those? So people really yeah. need goosebumps, so they'd be like magazines. Yes, I was going to say, or yeah, else dying, spooky yeah. magazines you could buy. And one of them had an article which haunted me for years, which is a spontaneous combustion. Now, yes. how likely is that to happen? And did I waste a lot of time worrying about this as a child for nothing? So I also spent a lot of time worrying about spontaneous combustion and having my skull shrunk to the size of an orange, etc. Due to a book I had called A Thousand Incredible Facts. Um... <laughs> And some of them were incredible for a good reason. But uh, yeah, yeah, spontaneous combustion is you know, emphatically not a thing, obviously. Unless, of course, you are uh, a Galway coroner in recent years who did uh, pass a verdict of spontaneous combustion on a death. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you're that one guy um, or gal, I don't actually know, um yes yeah, spontaneous combustion not a thing not a big worry and it, well, is it something to do with the fat in your body being flammable is it something it's it's just not a thing it, it doesn't was, exist it, was, oh, yeah. it just doesn't exist um yeah, but is that the is that the was that the theory like that they they didn't they weren't really clear on it it was, it was always basically people who were sitting beside open fires who mysteriously went up in flames um <laughs> 
And, you know, it just, I don't know why people thought, it was like usually things that like the chair didn't burn, but the person did. So spontaneous combustion. And like that was almost certainly due to flame retardant <laughs> properties and chairs, as opposed to a person spontaneously bursting into flames. There's um, often people who hadn't been found for a long time, right? Who like, whose bodies yes. were decomposing and then would... And the like the chair or the table or whatever was intact and they looked like they'd been burnt and then yeah so all very shady and explainable in other ways but not for um the west galway coroner in 2011 dr kieran mclaughlin <laughs> what's the what's the but i would always say and particularly when you're in a school and you see kids are falling down the whole time but i would always say kids are very bouncy you know like and but at what point do we like at what point do we really what's our peak age for our our body you know what's the where when are we at the peak and when when how quickly do we start to deteriorate <laughs> well i remember reading somewhere that you like your best age to have a kid was around 16 oh, so like for a woman geez. like your peak ability like physic physically purely physically to have a kid is around 16 in which terms is why of... i suppose in the past it was very common for girls to have uh, children in their mid-teens and up to the very recent past like you know your early 20s is seen as the ideal time you know yeah absolutely so yeah i think that your your physical peak is probably somewhere i think you continue to build muscle mass efficiently kind of up to around the age of 25 or so and then obviously you can do it afterwards but like it just gets progressively harder to maintain and keep muscle so are we at our age now just like meat sacks yeah we're just sacks of meat with all our brain cells just dying off apparently at a like vociferous rate but then a lot of the stuff that you used to read about brains and stuff is apparently a lot of that is bullshit as well like i i was talking to someone recently who was saying like she doesn't want her son to be heading the ball when he's playing football, you know? Like, is that a reasonable Yeah, I have? wouldn't be that keen on any kind of, like, you know, routine head trauma <laughs> as a, mm. you know, young person. Like, I mean, I think American football has really led the way in showing that, um, you know, a lot of, you know, young head trauma, probably not great. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't really understand why heading the ball is allowed. I, but, like, you know, obviously it's not as bad as running into a pack of people. But, yeah, um, yeah it just seems like not a great thing to do with your head. Okay. Like you have hands and feet. I don't. I don't yeah, understand like soccer. You, obviously. <laughs> I mean, if you can't, if you can't touch the ball with your hands, I don't really understand how you can touch it with your head. But anyway. What do you think are the best things about the human body? We've talked a lot about the bad things and the weird things. Well, I think it's a real mindfuck that, um, like, neuroscience is the brain thinking about itself. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you know, like, what I think is really amazing about humanity in general, but also the human body, is that, like, we're just a bunch of, um, like, atoms that have become self-aware. And obviously nothing but trouble has stemmed from that <laughs> realisation, basically, the fall of innocence. But um, I do think it's really amazing that, um, you know, surgeons are, you know, up, you know, you know, being mechanics to other people and stuff. You know, I really love yeah. that we're in surgery um, and also how incredibly short the history of medicine is like what are we going to be able to do in 300 years is literally probably unimaginable and how we're going to like a lot of people say that the next big thing you know and certainly what a lot of the really bajillionaires at the moment are obsessed with is immortality and 
how do we go about combating the aging process? And the aging process is quite hard to understand. Like it's very hard, you know, it's like not um, at a cellular level, but it's hard to understand why our cells have to age and why we can't just continue on in a steady state. Because isn't some cellular aging reversible? Yeah. And some stuff is reversible. Some stuff is injury. Some stuff is stuff that could be prevented. But your your genetic code has these repeating segments called telomeres that just get shorter and shorter over time. And gradually that kind of impinges and causes aging um, in most tissues. But like, wow. why do our telomeres have to shorten? Like, why can we not just keep plowing on? And if we can ever just take a pill that stops them from shortening and stops various things building up, then, you know... Um, things will be very different but there's a great point that i've seen various people make um like uh johan nival yohari makes it as well that like we, we strive for immortality but if you had immortality you like that would mean that you couldn't die but it would mean that you know you would still be susceptible to accidents like if your head got chopped off by a helicopter blade you would obviously still die but the fact that you could live forever um, would probably make you incredibly risk adverse because you'd be like, I can't yeah. ever go outside or mm. I can't cross the road because I'm gambling with immortality forever. As mm. opposed to us who are like, well, I could cross a motorway because, you know, ultimately, you know, the best I could do is another few decades. But like, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't, it would actually really paralyze all of human endeavor and decisions to actually have that all on the line. Like you'd obviously never get on a commercial aircraft again. Would you guys take the immortality pill if it was available to you? Yes. I would love to know how everything turns out. I'm very happy to stay in my house. Yeah. Will? <laughs> uh, no is my automatic answer, but if I was confronted with it, I'd. It'd be know. so sad if we'd all taken it and then you shuffled off this mortal coil a couple of decades' time. Well, that's the other problem. Like, loads of people would choose not to. So you would just have to, like, grapple with people in your family being like, nah, fine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I guess I, I really don't want to die. <laughs> so i'd like to i don't know it's really complicated isn't it because it feels like it feels almost unnatural but then it's like well surgery is unnatural mm. I'd, I'd get life-saving surgery i, I so guess I, yeah it depends i suppose whether you're whether you're going to be living into decrepitude or whether whether you are going to be able to maintain the body and the brain i suppose yeah like you if you could stay alive that. forever at the age of kind of 28 oh. would you yeah yeah, yeah. Probably. you would definitely like so this is the other question I had, I suppose, which is that the self-healing nature of the body is incredible, obviously. Yeah. You know, you get caught at heels over, you get a bone, you put it in position and it'll it'll heal itself again. Yeah. Like, are, that's amazing. What bits of the body don't heal, I suppose? Some stuff is amazing and other stuff is like, why doesn't it work in this mm. other area? Like, say like the way bones repair is amazing. Like little guys called osteoblasts come in and like build up the new bone and they kind of overbuild the bone. So you get a bump where the fracture was called a callus. And then other little guys called osteoclasts come in and demolish the extra bone and make it smooth again. And then if you get a stroke and part of your brain dies, it's just like, well, it is what it is. You know, like, it's just like, you're like, God, some stuff could really have done with the old osteoblast, osteoclast oh. um, method. Yeah, mm. exactly, you know. Um, but yeah, some stuff, like some very vital stuff, like heart muscle and stuff has no interest in regenerating and just scars Smash. over. And other stuff like returns to almost full function. So yeah, wow. it's hard to understand why some stuff is, that's not as important gets really uh, well healed. But it, I suppose it's a lot simpler in terms of structure and the, the stuff. The body involved. does. I think though, yeah, there's no greater betrayal than the body turning on you. And like it goes from like the very low level of now that I'm 34, 
I'm in good health, I'm fit, but I just have aches. There's always going to be some bit of my body yeah. that it has some pain associated. But <laughs> then also, like, it goes from that to the point of, like, perfectly healthy person who just suddenly goes blind because of something. Or personally, you know, like, it's so... The body's out to get us, isn't it? So duplicitous, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you know? Takes with one hand and gives away with the other. It's like, it's like back pain. But, uh, uh, like... I just can't. Uh, some days my back's just like, nah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna mm. operate today. And again, well, it properly. comes back to that whole thing of like, the the spine is just like so incredibly important to us, and like, you know, has such an impact on all your muscles and your arms and your legs, and yet it's so easy. Like, and yet I can't bend down to pick up a toothbrush without it's, risking it's like incredible damage. Though, it's like- at like 10 seconds to midnight, we went from walking on all fours to standing on two feet and our spine's like, what? No, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not designed for this. <laughs> My discs. Do you know what I love watching on TikTok or on Instagram? Videos, and I know this is totally I thought you were off the TikTok. I'm off the, I watch reels. I watch reels on Instagram. <laughs> it's like it's a gateway yeah, drug. So Diet sad. TikTok. It's my methadone. <laughs> um, and you know, if you watch chiropractors cracking people's backs, I could watch that all day oh, yeah. long. It is so good. <laughs> it's also like the greatest amount of like absolute bullshit. Like, <laughs> oh, it's total. Yeah. <laughs> why, why does that uh, make people feel better, Max? I think it's just a satisfying like sound and sensation. Like, I don't think there's a, like a physiological, I don't think it's like doing anything for you. I just think it's mm. like very satisfying to do because it, it kind of goes usually with like some kind of a stretch, which is just like a satisfying feeling. Can I ask, right, does this happen to anyone else? If you have your foot, right, and you, you crumple it up, so you're you're putting your, your toes down towards the back of your foot, does anybody get kind of locked in a cramp? Yes. It's so painful, and then it slowly releases, yeah. like yeah. a creaking ship, and that is so good. That's oh, called yeah. a Charlie horse. You enjoy that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> That's S&M stuff. Yeah. Here's another one for you, Mags, right? <laughs> Why do I... I'm drifting off to sleep, and I... And I massively twitch. Yeah. And I know that like you're like you're after falling I'm into the bed. In a dream. And yeah, you basically like if someone told you, do you know what actually happened was you tra- we were transported into the air and you've just crashed back to bed. Yeah. Like, I guess that's more a, that? that's more a neurological dream thing, is it? Or no, it's it's a real thing. It's called a, a hypnagogic jerk. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You're a hypnagogic jerk. Jerk, you absolute hypnagogic jerk. Um, yeah, and they're also called sleep starts. So they're kind of they're benign. Uh, like it's a it's a you know electrical impulse that causes a myoclonic jerk, and it gives you that like full body kind of like start. Um, and yeah, it's a, if you watch somebody falling asleep, or if you watch an animal falling asleep, you'll often see them. Um, it's just an involuntary thing. It's it's when your brain is transitioning from awake into sleep, and it just sets off this impulse. And how often do you watch people falling asleep? Oh, very often, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Max, can I ask, right, uh, so you're since you're going about your day, happy as Larry, and then randomly you throw up in your own mouth. Just a, yeah. a watery pool of sick in the back. What's that about? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> Happens maybe every kind of four or five months. Really? This doesn't really yeah. happen to me, but that is just an exaggerated burp with an acid reflux. So that acidy taste, that is just stomach acid just making its way up. It's not actual vomit. Not per se. I mean, like, if there's food in it, like, what's the difference between stomach acid of food in it and vomit? You know, like, I mean, but it's... <laughs> that's, it's that's the start of my stand-up routine. 
<laughs> but like it's it's the phenomenon is kind of regurgitation which is kind of the step beyond reflux so acid reflux is out of our stomach all the time so like you know there's a certain number of refluxes a day that we can cope with before we actually get any bad symptoms of reflux because we don't have like a powerful valve at the bottom of our esophagus that like holds all the acid in the stomach mm. another it's a sphincter, right? major design flaw yeah the lower esophageal sphincter but it's not really tight um so and it has to open all the time because obviously there's food going through it and then like it rhythmically opens with contractions of the esophagus so like you get like a little bit of reflux but like when that happens when you just get like a sudden whoosh of like acid into the back of your mouth yeah i don't know why it happens but it's just kind of a magnified reflux and some people have horrible reflux and it happens to them all the time but i can understand if you i'm not really a heartburny person so sometimes it'll just be out of nowhere yeah there's a pioneering That's... bit of acid who's trying to leave the small yeah. town of tummy and going ambitious to make their way in the world should we be like other animals uh other animals who have the different stomachs that's about chewing it and sending it up down and chewing it up again and then you have like birds who chew and regurgitate should we be regurgitating our food for our kids (laughs) yes um my 100 percent gold standard recommendation would be to puke your kid your, uh, no um vomit in your kids mouth. no we're designed we're very efficiently designed for extracting food for extracting calories from food um mm. as is abundantly obvious uh, in the modern world but like we're really well adapted for it and that's partially because our brains need so many calories so we we evolved with very high energy needs compared to say like a, a grass eating herb before mm. um so we are incredibly good at getting the calories out of the food that's not our problem at all well on that note i think we do need to move towards i suppose some final judgments even though this has been sort of an agony ant session with yeah. really yeah. our bodies yeah yeah welcome to the body hotline i mean is the body the human body a legitimate like i think so I mean, I can't argue with it. I know I realise that this is like, did a body write this? Like, this is a body saying that it is a legitimate <laughs> like. But... <laughs> Sounds like you're in the pocket of yeah, big yeah. body nights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think it is legit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty hard, hard to, you know, take it down. And I think I don't understand it sometimes. I don't understand the things it does, but I like it. I think I think it's doing all right. I think it's absolutely magical that a we have the technology to do it, but b that you can cut a human body open, fuck around with the insides, take something out, put it back together, and the body's like, "Cool, thanks, guys. We'll sort this out from <laughs> I'll here." I'll sort out the rest. Mad. Yeah, the human body. I think it's an interesting one. I mean, it's got me this far, you know, and and hopefully it'll it'll keep on going. I think it's amazing at what it can do. I think we are clearly incredibly evolved. I mean, even the pure evolution of, or the, like, the pure capability of the brain is incredible, you know, and the fact that it controls everything and everything we can do with it, even though some people don't put it to good use. I suppose the one thing I'd say against the human body is I think it is desperately unfair and obviously extremely sad and tragic in the way that some people's bodies just seem to give up on them in certain ways. And, like, you know, as someone explained, like, and maybe Max, you have a better explanation for me. But like, like cancer comes from the fact that there's a cell out of place that thinks it should be doing something else and starts. Is that kind of it? Like, there's a cell in the wrong place or a cell well, doing the it. wrong it's thing. Ki- it's kind of like if you understand about like uh, embryology and pregnancy and stuff. Like, it's it's kind of a kind of mind-boggling that any normal babies are ever born. But like. 
that's kind of the situation with the benign state of the body. Like there's so much cell division and reprogramming of genetic code going on. And like it's being coded base by base. And like we cancel out so many mistakes and we have mismatch repair proteins going along, picking out mistakes. And we have so many controls on all the different Mm. mistakes. And then it's kind of a miracle that we're not all just covered in tumors all the time, okay. more than the other way around. Honestly, so that is a more positive way, yeah. Um, yeah. And in fact, I do think, and it's funny because obviously it sounds like you're being very, I don't know, fairy tale but I do genuinely think that every baby born is an absolute miracle. Like, I think that's yeah. probably the unbelievable achievement of the human body, that you're able to create this creature, carry it, bear it safely and then nurture it or whatever and i think for that alone probably i'd say yeah the human body it's a legitimate like Uh, i don't think there's enough sort of credit given to women carrying babies like like pooping them out and then caring for them that's (laughs) unbelievable their bodies are so incredible yeah well you've got a bit um you know those guys on instagram who are like i love women. i love women yeah, happy, i've got women, feminist in my twitter bio and i will interrupt women to tell them that <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love i love strong women it's like what about weak women yeah, yeah no hate what about yeah, yeah, weak yeah. unhealthy women <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no love them all actually yeah yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. i've i've learned a lot about women and giving them space which is why i like to talk about it a lot a true tribute to us Anya, would you would you vote? I mean, it seems to me that the human body, much as you say it is very embarrassing, it also seems to give you a lot of joy. What's that mean? I mean in the funny things. <laughs> He's saying you're a generous lover. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the human body is absolutely legitimate. Like, I think it's amazing. And, you know, when you start to think about it, God, like, it's just amazing. You can tell your foot to start walking. You know what I mean? And it'll do it. That's great. Yeah. Are we all just like being held at gunpoint by our bodies here and saying that it's legitimate, like for the fear that it will instantly betray us? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, <laughs> there's a yeah. cell dividing somewhere that's just like da, 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 da. If you were designing a whole new creature, I know this isn't the human body. If you were designing a whole new creature made up of other creatures' body parts, what are you designing? Will it be an egg-shaped item with no neck or wrists? <laughs> Humpty um, Dumpty, basically. Will it be Humpty Dumpty with a pair of wings and <laughs> fearsome, fearsome talons? Um and incredibly good eyes, like eyes like one of those shrimp with all the what's it called? A mantis shrimp with that can see all the different colours and different dimensions, all this business. Um the electromagnetic sensitivities of like a shark. Mm. Uh like I feel like we kind of missed out on like a ton of extra senses that I would happily have yeah, taken. It would be cool if we had sonar, yeah. yeah. Sonar and a bat like sense or a um a dog-like sense of smell. And then maybe one of those lights dangling off your forehead like an anglerfish. <laughs> Just like you'd never have a problem again. Do you think our sense of smell maybe evolved down a bit, though? Because we don't want yeah, it to be too strong. Yeah, dampened down, yeah, for how filthy we lived for most of history. Because I, I have I have quite a poor sense of smell, and I have to say I'm, I'm thankful for it. You know? <laughs> I never once think I wish I had a better sense of smell. If you had to have the wings of another creature, what are you, what are you going for? Like I definitely, I would be definitely thinking about like a mythical dragon type set of like pterodactyl type wings. I'd like eagle's wings. I think. I think buffalo because I've never seen buffalo wings, but I hear a lot about them. <laughs> Cauliflower. I'd go Why for can't them. Will fly? She's <laughs> got two delicious wings on his back. They're inside out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I think that my problem with wings is that I always feel like, given our lack of hollow bones and stuff. Like, I think flying would be, like, the hardest work 
ever and like yeah. only very few people would actually be able to fly and the rest Super of us dangerous. were too heavy we'd be too yeah, heavy yeah way too heavy the... and way too unfit and like our muscles would be so underdeveloped that like only very few people would be able to actually fly and the rest of us would just walk around bumping into stuff all the time clearing shells and how would you lie flat it, like it would be a huge handicap if it yeah. didn't lead you actually flying I would like to be able to fly without wings but uh-huh. I know that that's really more for a supernatural episode rather than yeah. a body episode okay so a clean sweep for the human body the human body can continue just as well really because that would have been well. awkward admin wise yeah. whatever about saying like oh you can't watch Star Wars anymore having to recall all the human bodies would be, yeah. would be a lot of admin I, I think the biggest plus for it is I've honestly needed a poo since we started this Episode. And you've held it firmly in. Yeah, both sphincters are working properly. Well guys. done. <laughs> Thanks. Well, on that note, thank you, <laughs> Mags, for coming back and, as always, answering our questions. I don't know what topic we'll bring you on for next, but you know what the podcast will ultimately turn into another QA session. <laughs> exactly, with the it's going to be the human body hotline no matter where we start. And also, <laughs> thank you for your tolerance in not objecting to the questions, which are like, but what about dreams? Or like, <laughs> what about wizards? Do-? Like, you know, you're, I feel our definition of medicine is uh, is very broad. And, uh, very you're broad. Always, you're always very good natured in uh, taking our questions. So thank you for coming on again. Thank you very much for having me. Anya, thank you for producing. You're very welcome. Will, thanks for being you. Oh, thank you for being you, Hugh. I've had a great time. Have a lovely week. Listeners, uh, thank you for listening. And subscribe, like us, rate us five stars, tell your friends about it, and come back for more every week here on Legitimate Likes. Goodbye. 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 A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.